Folks, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, and I'm not proud of admitting it, but I am days away from budging and watching The Mandalorian. I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm thinking, there's just too many people, too many people doing it, too many people going crazy. And I said a, a year ago when this thing started, even with, with the, I, I don't care about Baby Yoda. I didn't care about this Mandalorian fellow. I didn't care that Bill Burr was in it. The trailer did look cool. I must admit, I, I was engaged. And it did appeal to me. I've, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan. Again, that fire has faded in a way. And I just, I didn't, I didn't feel like watching it. I even made a blood oath at a table with several witnesses. I put a pinprick to my finger, squeezed some blood out, put it in a bit of water, and then drank it. Some would say a little overkill, possibly, but I'm a dramatic cat. I just couldn't know. I, I, uh, it, it's just not my thing. Star Wars at this point is just... But everybody liked, like my sister. My sister's pretty anti-Star Wars. I took her to see The Force Awakens with a couple buddies when that came out in 2015. When everybody had hope, a new hope. Like, hey, Star Wars can be good again. And uh, we were quickly reminded that that's impossible. But she didn't like it. And uh, she's maintained for a while that... Star Wars is overrated, I believe, uh, were the words she used. And even she's watching this Mandalorian, her and her boyfriends. They're just sitting on the couch every week, tuning into uh, what uh, wacky shenanigans Baby Yoda and uh, Boba Fett Light get into. What's Baby Yoda going to do? Is he going to... Is he going to be... What, what meme is he going to start this week? Is he going to surf? Is he going to rescue a baby from a train? Is he going to make a guy fly across the room and then crush him against a wall? Let's see Yoda get wild. Let's see Yoda cutting people's heads off and then skull-fucking them. Kevin Smith is crying about this. Mind you, he probably just did a dab and got emotional because he saw something off-screen and he confused it for something that was happening on the show. And Kevin Smith has a crazy brain. I think he's uh, brilliant. He's done a lot of stuff that I love over the years, but you, you have to think crazy to come up with stuff in Clerks. The characters. An old man dying in a bathroom. Nobody knows about him dying. He's left alone in the dark. In a convenience store. And a girl walks in and sits on the toilet where he is sitting and... Uh, they basically bone. She fucks a dead body. That was the whole concept of that. Out there. Creative freedom. I happen to love it. Out there. Anyways, he's going off about it. Everybody. Everybody just... I'm just... I'm not... Here's the thing. I'm 29. That's still a young age. I can still possibly squeeze a couple years of... of wild shit wild childish shit, you know, going out drinking, doing whatever, reliving, you know, years from my childhood. I'm a single guy. I have no kids. I'm reminding myself. But, you know, I got I to do it discreetly. 
I gotta, you know, because I'm gonna get the usual sound bites. Grow up. Come on. When are you gonna act your age? All that shit. I'm just not in a rush at this age to go watch the new Star Wars movie on Disney+. And I gotta get that too. I skipped out on that last year when all my friends were getting it. I had a buddy phone me and say, hey, do you want to uh, split money uh, with a couple guys on a joint account? I go, I didn't even know that was possible. Here we are, four grown men pushing 30, scrounging together funds to get unlimited Disney movies. Are we all going to get together on a Saturday night? Watch Great Mouse Detective and have a circle jerk? What is the plan? All very confusing. Anyways, I'm not going to do The Mandalorian uh, yet. Maybe in a week or so. i got to figure out uh, what my what my financial position is if I'm actually going to commit to this uh, Disney Plus. But I am kind of excited to watch it. It looks like a cool show on a positive note. On a negative note, uh, to switch gears a little bit, that this, you know, speaking of movies, I watched that movie Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix, or El- El- I think it's Elegy, how it's uh, pronounced. Uh, and it wasn't as bad as people said it was. I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score. It was like 25 or minus 48 or whatever the hell. Uh, wasn't as bad as I thought it would, but it wasn't great either. It was all over the place. You know, it was, it was all over. Let me ask you something. Can anybody write a movie with a linear storyline anymore? Is that still a thing? The balls a Hollywood writer must have to walk into a pitch meeting and go, hey, I have this idea. You guys may not like it, but stick with me. It's about a guy who wakes up one place, starts walking, couple things happen, and he ends up in a completely different place from the beginning, and he's a completely different person by the end. Is that, is that possible? A lot of entertaining shit can happen, but everybody to, has to have a flashback now. Everything has to just be, oh, th- this happened back then, but th- this, this is how that guy, uh, this became that, and it's just, it's, Because God forbid you let an interesting scene play out. You'll have war movies set in World War II in the Tunisian desert. Two guys are sword fighting on top of a moving panzer tank, explosions all around them. One guy ends up tripping, the other guy is about to pierce him in the chest with his blade, and then lights. You see, it reads, 20 days earlier. It's just a husband and a wife talking in a hotel lobby. The guy wasn't even in the first scene. It's completely different characters this time. You don't know what is happening. We're five minutes in. The movie's already gone downhill. She doesn't want him to leave to war. He doesn't want her to fuck the neighbor. It's a whole ordeal. Meanwhile, you're just sitting... Can we go back to the mortar attacks? Can we see an armless guy looking for his limbs? Is there anything left that signals that this this might be an interesting picture. 
No, they uh, they don't do that anymore. Everything has to be flashbacks, back and forth. Everything has to cut back to something. Somebody has to be pitching like a linear. So, like, is that like? Are they executing writers outside in the studio alley and just leaving their bodies there to hang? Just like, if you don't write a flashback with a breakup, this is what happens. I got news for everybody, and uh, this this is this includes me as well. None of us are Quentin Tarantino. None of us are the Coen Brothers. None of us are Scorsese. They possess talent, or Sp- none of us are Spike Lee. They possess talent that we can't even fathom. I mean, sure, they've had duds, all of them, and I may be a little biased. They're my favorite filmmakers, Spielberg also. But everybody's trying to do this Tarantino-esque thing with punchy dialogue. and You're not going to do that. You can't recreate Pulp Fiction. That was a one-time deal. It inspired an entire generation of filmmakers. Just do your own thing. Find your own voice. Let it play out. You are never going to do anything as genius and as unique as that movie from 1994. Pulp Fiction, when it came out, was a moment in time. I didn't see it until I was, uh, I believe, 16 years old. I rented it from Blockbuster. I was going through uh, my first kind of real film phase in life, and I remember just being taken aback. I couldn't believe what I was watching. You're watching criminals at work. They're about to go into an apartment building and start blasting over a, a, a briefcase with a golden dildo in it. And right before, you just have this five-minute scene of them walking back and forth in the hallway having a conversation about foot massages and where John Travolta's character, Vincent, is going to take Mia Wallace, Uma Thurman's character, out to dinner while Marcellus Wallace is out doing business. It was that unique. No one had ever seen anything like that before. No one had ever seen writing really like that before. And that's what a genius he is. You got to find your own thing. And I, I, I've made the same mistake. I've tried to do the punchy dialogue, the Tarantino-esque thing. I think Tarantino-esque is an actual dictionary term, I believe. I don't know. Uh, some people have... Uh, I'm going to look that up, actually. But... Uh, no, everybody's trying to do the, the Tarantino kind of dialogue, like it's Reservoir Dogs. You'll have a guy walk into a room, and I've I've seen scripts like this, like when you know, because I'm trying to do filmmaking too, <laughs> and I hang around other screenwriters and I read their shit, and they'll have a, you know, a scene where a character walks in and says, "Man, it's hotter than a, than a, match on the Fourth of July," and no one talks like that. What coked up people are you writing for? I mean, in in, in Tarantino's movie. The dialogue is slightly unrealistic, but you do meet people in life who have an eccentric way of of speaking. And these are the characters that he writes in his movies. And 90% of us cannot do that the way he does. But it just goes with the territory when you're a psychopath. Just kidding, Quentin. Don't, uh, don't... Stick me in my sleep with a samurai sword. That guy will find your address.
Uh, yeah, so this hillbilly allergy thing, uh, not great. It just wasn't, uh, again, not a thing that I enjoy. The story was all over the place. Flashbacks every 20 seconds. It was a, It's basically about a guy who's uh, in college. He's trying to get this job, and he uh, gets called back to his hometown out in the Appalachians where uh, his family, there's family turmoil, and he was trying to run away from that, so he's got to go back and face it all, and that ends up helping him get this job, and I don't care if I fucking spoil it for you. What are you, you, you going to come after me for uh, ruining this masterpiece? Yeah, it was out there. First of all, and I'm going to admit this, I always surprise myself when it comes to the English language, but I uh, didn't realize until I watched the movie that Elegy is not the name of one of the characters. Turns out that Elegy, I believe, is a form of writing. It's a form of poetry, I believe. I, I think I'm pronouncing Elegy correctly. I don't know. Oh, this uh, this clears it up. A poem in elegiac couplets. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Yeah, that's... Uh... Anyways, yeah, I uh, I thought Elegy was an actual name because, you know, I gotta be honest, I'm sure a couple of you guys made that mistake as well. Elegy does sound like a name, and more specifically, a hillbilly's name. Elegy sounds like it's the first name in a police deposition on a, a botched meth bust. You have all your suspects that have been rounded up. You have... Number one, Elegy, and of course you got Barbara Jean, and you got your, your usual Billy Joe Francis, and of course Billy Bob makes an appearance, and then you got number five, Elegy again, because that is a uh, clearly a popular name in Appalachia. I know it's Appalachia, by the way. Not that bad with speaking. But it was a controversial film. As well, this uh, hillbilly elegy is a lot of these movies about uh, somebody I, I believe referred to it as poverty porn because <laughs> it is a movie about poverty. It's about people. It's, it's got, you know, checks the usual boxes, uh, drug addiction, check, can't pay hospital bills, check, uh, poverty, check, death, check, domestic abuse, check, like just all of those things. It just goes through the line, it has all of that shit. It's depressing as shit. Depressing as all hell. But you had all these writers, these hit pieces written about this movie. Oh, it sympathizes with with the Trump voters because it takes place in a very conservative area of America. It takes place right in the heart of Trump country. And these are the people that the, the film is, is uh, sympathizing with. And you see kind of what they go through. And granted, it's not a great movie, but it, it, it is what it is. And it, uh, it kind of it humanizes people as movies should at the end of the day. But you have these writers going in about, well, you know, it's it's Ron, Ron Howard should know better. And it's a Ron Howard film, this movie. I expect better things from him. Apollo 13, Slam Dunk, Beautiful Mind, One Best Picture, Slam Dunk. Even The Grinch was fantastic. I want him to do better shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. This was not it. But people were just on fire about how toxic this movie was and it's problematic and shit like this. And this is the problem. Write what you feel about this movie, but it doesn't mean that you're correct about it. All you're really doing is promoting for this movie. And really, it's not a movie that deserves to be promoted because it's not good. 
But all of these people, they just go off on the performances, and it's Glenn Close is racist. Do you see her in this still? She has a racist back hunch. That's the back hunch that your grandparents have. You see that? Non-racists don't have back hunches. In fact, they have front hunches. Yeah, they just they stick their midsection out. They 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 just walk like that, just sticking it out, and then their back curves uh, like that with their with their head tilted back. And uh, yeah, because they're attacking the world, they need to have everything out so they know that people know that they mean business. That's how non-racist walks. And you're just kind of like, you should just have a link at the bottom that says "Watch movie here." Because that's all you're doing. And then you have the idiots on the other side. So you have the idiots there, okay? You have sort of the extreme on that side. And then you have the idiots on the other side. So you'll have the guys on the right who will come out and defend this movie because the left is attacking it. And they'll just come out and they'll just be like, well, uh, the the only reason the, the left hates this movie is uh, because it, it's really just – it sympathizes with uh, people from that part of the country that they don't like. And, and you know, th- this is really just a, a political game that they're playing, you know, and, uh, and it, it's just two warring factions arguing about a movie that is fundamentally a garbage fire. It's a waste of time for both people, both groups. It's the same thing with that Joker movie that came out. I didn't think the Joker movie was bad. I thought it was pretty mediocre. I didn't, I, I, you know, Joaquin was good in it, but it's, you know, it was the same fuss. You had these people in these universities coming out and these colleges, and they were saying, well, don't release this movie. It's going to, it's going to increase the mass shootings and it's going to embolden young Young incels to come out, you know, people who haven't, uh, you know, touched a pussy to come out and, and do violent acts in movie theaters, and you're going to see all kinds of that. And then you had people on the other side who would come out and go, well, no, you just don't like this movie because it, uh, it sympathizes with uh, a person that you're trying to marginalize. And it's just a fucking whirlwind. It's like, it's like one of the Looney Tunes fights where it's just a pop- cloud of smoke, and it's just two idiots in the back, and then, you know... A nose ring flies out, and then a, a fucking a, a forty-five caliber pistol flies, and it's just it's, and then a nugget of weed goes, and then somebody's bump stock goes, and then it's just it's it's just conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican brawling, and I am sick of it over nonsense. I think everyone is. But when that Joker movie, and of course the Joker movie comes out, you have two groups just going at it. The movie makes about a billion dollars, of course, because people promoted the shit out of it. All these hit pieces just got people to go to the movie, so it's all counterproductive. And nothing happened. No, there was no violent acts that transpired over this movie coming out, and you know there was nothing because the second anything happens outside of people walking into a theater and taking their seats, it makes front-page news. A guy walks into a theater with Joker makeup. God forbid that happens. He'll be, he'll be the first story at 6 o'clock, CNN primetime, and they'll probably put his face on the cover of Rolling Stone. Fear this man. It's all insane. I even had a friend, I'll, I'll tell you this story, because it, it, it relates to this. I had a buddy of mine 
not really a buddy. He was a guy that I knew. Uh, we were in the same social circle. Nice guy. A little bit out there. A little bit of the Kevin Smith thing going. A little eccentric. A little, uh, you know. But it was uh, circa 2016 when the movie Deadpool was released. And people were going crazy for that movie. And he decides to show up to the theater in cosplay. He was dressed as Deadpool himself. You could not see his face. He decided to uh, sport two holsters on his sides. Uh, empty holsters. But holsters nonetheless. And I believe there were fuzzy peach candies in the holsters. that he was. Uh, so they weren't empty, but there was no weapon in them. And... Uh, so uh, somebody phoned 911. Uh, about six police cars ended up showing up, and uh, as well as a uh, news crew arriving on the scene. And there was, a, there was a bit of a commotion over what this guy did. Anyways, they ended up checking him out and letting him go. They saw that he was not dangerous, and, and he uh, went about his mer merry way. And I, I'm, I'm hoping to God he enjoyed that film, because if you show up to a movie dressed as that character and you don't enjoy it, then you're just a psychopath. A psychopath who is now embarrassed. Especially going through uh, the whole police ordeal. Anyways, I was not there to witness this. This guy ended up uh, showing up to a bar after the movie that I uh, frequent. And I didn't recognize him at first because I didn't see his face. I didn't know who he was. I couldn't recognize his voice because I don't know him that well. Uh, so I just think that it's Daredevil, or it's it's Deadpool speaking to me uh, about a party of mine that I threw that he attended, and I go, okay, did uh, somebody drug me? What the hell happened? Did I just let the San Diego Comic Con into my home? My 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 get-togethers, my shindigs are not that wild. It's just a bunch of man children just sitting around listening to Migos and Fetty Wap. Anyways, I've realized that it's him, and he ends up telling me about this whole thing, and I go, I kind of laugh it off a little bit. I'm freaked out. I mean, you'd think he'd go home after the movie and change into some guy. That's not exactly bar attire, dressing up as Deadpool. I mean, nobody's getting wet looking at Wade Wilson, especially after the uh, the radiation shit. Is that Wade Wilson? Is that yeah? He's Deadpool, Wade Wilson. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the guy just pulled out some flyers and just, you know, started asking people if they've uh, heard the word of the good Lord. And that was my cue to go. Anyways, it's a crazy world. Everybody get along. Everybody try fucking speaking to people and uh, having a having a dialogue, having a dialogue that is better than Tarantino imitators. That's it for me today, guys. Uh, I, I thought it would be a shorter one today, but we're uh, on the uh, we're hitting the average runtime here. Don't forget to subscribe. Something's off podcast on Instagram. We're on uh, we're on Spotify as well. <laughs> we're on Spotify. It's like I have a team. Yeah, I have a, I have a group of people looking out for my best interest with this uh, with this roller coaster. <laughs> uh, anyways, guys, take care. Good night, good luck. Duckers.